Hey there and welcome to Soul Church. Our prayer is that this message encourages you wherever you may be in life. You know, we've been hearing so many stories about what God is doing in people's lives and we'd love to hear yours. So take a second and send your story to stories at soulchurch.com. Thanks again for joining us today and we hope that you enjoy the message. God bless. Father God, we thank you for your goodness, your grace towards us. We thank you, Father, as we, we enter this holy week. It's a sacred week, Father God, as we remember your entrance into Jerusalem, Father God, on Palm Sunday, and your death on Good Friday, and your resurrection, Father God, on Sunday. We pray, Father God, that we would have opportunities to share the love of Jesus to those in need around us this week. Amen. 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 All right, you guys can take your seats. Thank you to the worship team. Can we give our worship team a hand as well? Also want to extend a welcome to everyone who's watching online. Uh, please write in the chat where you're watching from. Okay, if you don't like the message, stay quiet. If you do like it, write something. Okay, um, but we'd love to. We've got team online. We want to make sure we're engaging with you uh, during the service. As I've said already, Christian, this is Palm Sunday. Christians name this week Passion Week, the Passion of the Christ. And for the next seven days... Um, we are going to be remembering um, Jesus, his, his life, his death, and his resurrection. And nearly half the content of the four Gospels is dedicated to one week of Jesus' life. One week. So, you know, this is something the writers of the Gospels took very seriously. And of the 89 chapters in the four Gospels, four, four of those chapters cover 30 years of his life. Okay, so 30 years of his life are covered in four chapters, yet uh, over half of the chapters are covered in one week. So, you know, this is a significant week for our church. And we begin Passion Week with one event which is covered in all four Gospels, Palm Sunday. And Palm Sunday is a, is a Christian feast, and it commemorates Jesus' triumphal entry into Jerusalem. So as a church, over the next eight days, we're going to go on a journey together. I also want to encourage you to be inviting people this Easter, and we've laid on um, extra services next weekend to make sure we, we get everybody in. Good Friday, 4 p.m. and 6 p.m. Can I just say something about Good Friday? I just want to just be, just be a pastor for one sec, okay? Good Friday is not golf day. Okay, Good Friday is not movie day. Good Friday is a holy... Good Friday is the most sacred day on the Christian calendar. And I, I, you know, I, I really want to encourage you, especially to bring your families out on Good Friday. They're one-hour services at 4 p.m. or 6 p.m. And we are going to... You know, there is no resurrection without a crucifixion. There is no celebration without what happens on Good Friday. And so I, I pray that, I, of course, I'm going to be with my family on Good Friday. We're going to be having lunch and all those things. And I'm not pushing out the Easter bunny, okay? We love that guy, okay? I'm not getting all religious on you. But all I'm saying is, please, 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 don't just come out on Sunday to the party. Let's remember the journey of what happens this week. And, you know, on Saturday, it's called Silent Saturday because, you know, Jesus is in the grave. And it's a time for us to reflect on, on his death as we look forward to his resurrection. So I would encourage you to come out. Good Friday, 4 p.m. and 6 p.m. Then on Resurrection Sunday, next weekend, we have four great services. 9 a.m., 11 a.m., 1 p.m. and 5 p.m. 
And I also want to encourage us as well, if 1 p.m. would maybe suit your routine a little bit better next weekend, we could really do some space in this service. Okay, so if you could just shift your plans over a couple of hours, that would really, really help us as a church. We want to make sure we get everybody in next weekend. So, And obviously, it's not just in the room. We've got kids to think about. We've got parking to think about, all those things. And these are all good problems, okay? But we would love you to think about whether you can shift over to the 1 o'clock. And then at 5 p.m., we're having baptisms. And so I would encourage you, if you haven't been baptized, baptized yet, if you've recently made a decision to follow Jesus, or if you've been, you've been a Christian for a while, but you've never been through the waters of baptism, baptism is different to christening. Okay, christening was your parents' or your guardian's decision, baptism is your personal decision. Okay, so this is an opportunity for you to make a public declaration of your new private association with Jesus. Okay, so I encourage you to sign up online if you're watching or come and sign up at the information desk if you are in the room. So next weekend, we've got six opportunities to invite people to Easter. Be bold, be courageous, and uh, keep wearing your wristbands, okay, and let people have some great conversations at the football yesterday. Not about football, um, about other things, and um, Sports Report will be back in August. Um, it was confirmed yesterday. And um, so let's celebrate. The whole theme of this year is victory. Victory in Jesus. Victory at the cross. And so, all right. Well, we're going we're gonna to read, read, read these scriptures together. It says in John chapter 12, this is John's, uh, John's uh, encounter with Palm Sunday. It says, the next day, the, cr- the great crowd that had come to the festival heard that Jesus was on his way to Jerusalem. They took palm branches and went out to meet him, shouting, Hosanna, blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. Blessed is the king of Israel. Jesus found a young donkey and sat on it as it is written, do not be afraid, daughter of Zion, see your king is coming, seated on a donkey's colt. At first his disciples did not understand all this. Only after Jesus was glorified did they realize that these things had been written about him and these things had to be done to him. Jesus, the king of the Jews, is heading into his final week before his execution. Can you imagine if I said to you, you have one week left on earth, who knows that that week would look very different from your previous week? The things that you'd do, the places you'd go, the people you'd see, um, the things you'd eat or drink or not eat and drink, whatever your preference was. And Jesus knew that there was agony ahead of him. Jesus knew that the cross laid ahead of him because he knew the prophecies from Isaiah, by your stripes you're healed. He knew I'd be wounded for my transgressions. He knew those things. But as the king of the Jews rides into Jerusalem, there are five critical lessons that we can learn from this story. And I want to just just go through these and to help us. And the message is titled today, The King is Coming. The King is Coming. This week, the King is Coming. The first lesson we can draw from the story is that the King Jesus' appeal is stronger than religion. It says, in the next day, the great crowd that had come for the festival heard that Jesus was on his way to Jerusalem. They took palm branches and went out to meet him. The religious crowd are in Jerusalem for a festival, the festival of Passover. And every week, every year, they would walk the same. Some of you, have you ever been to a festival? You know, maybe in Glastonbury, maybe you've been to uh, Greenbelt, maybe you've been to one of the, the big festivals, and you would go on the same road, you would take the same tent, the same rituals, the same things, you kind of get into the rhythm of how a festival works. And so for the Jews, they'd walk the same path to Jerusalem, they would say the same prayers, and so every year they would go to the festival. It had gotten a bit old, and they wanted something new. 
They wanted something more than religion had to offer them. They hear that Jesus is coming to town. And what do they do? They leave the festival. They leave the festival. Look what it says. The next day, the great crowd that had come for the festival heard that Jesus was on his way to Jerusalem. So they took their branches and they went out to meet him. If you were holding a party at your house and halfway through the party, next door was having a better party. And all of a sudden, people started leaving your party and slipping through the gate to the neighbor's party. Who knows that you would have a problem with that? And they discover... Jesus is in town. Now, why did they leave the party? Because Jesus is more appealing than religion. Jesus is more appealing than religion. Jesus was a breath of fresh air. They loved listening to his parables and his wisdom. In Mark 12, 37, says the common people, that's us lot, they heard Jesus gladly. Everyday folk loved being around Jesus. If I've learned one thing, is that everyday people in Norwich need Jesus. They were fed up of the rules, the ceremonial rituals. They wanted truth. They wanted life. If you take your notes, write that down. Everyday people need Jesus. Jesus offered something that religion didn't offer. He offered a fresh way to lead to live. And so there is a clash in the story between the old and the new. Religious leaders continually clashed with Jesus. Why? I want to share really quickly four differences between religion and Jesus. Maybe you grew up in a religious environment. Maybe you're an experience of God is in a religious space. But I want to share just four differences between religion and Jesus. The first one is this. Religion emphasizes the outward. Jesus always emphasizes the inwards. Luke 6.45, Jesus said, Out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaks. The religious leaders had always emphasized on how you should dress, how you should speak, how you should sit at the table, what you should eat, what you should drink. Religion is all about the outside. And Jesus comes along and he turns this whole thing up on its head. And he says, it's not about religion, it's about relationship. And it's exactly the same today. People are tired of religion. People are tired of it. Why? Because religion always points people away from Jesus. They did a survey a few years ago in the UK, and they they were trying to find out why people don't come to church. You know, 100 years ago, probably 75% of Norwich would be in church. Today, I think it's less than 1% of people in our city would be in church. So what's happened? They did the survey, and this is what they came back with. You ready? The number one reason people don't come to church in Norwich is they've been. What's the number one reason that you don't go back to restaurants? Because you've been. You didn't have a great experience. Maybe the food was a little bit cold. Maybe the chicken wasn't cooked. I was in America and it was a steak restaurant and the, the guy came around, I don't eat too much steak. He said, it was a chicken. He said, how, I, I, he was saying to everyone, how would you like your steak? And um, like medium rare well done or whatever. He said, he said I'll have the chick. I said, I'll have my medium rare. 
he looked at me, I said, no, we do. Anyway, that's just that's nothing to do with it all. But Jesus always points people, religion always points people away from Jesus. So people have been to church and they've not liked it. We had a guest in our service a few weeks ago. And when he arrived, he had a big thick jacket on. He had a hat and he had a scarf. I said, you all right? You know, got a cold? I mean, what's going on? He said, I expected it to be cold in here. His expectation was determined by his previous experience. And religion always pushes people away from Jesus. The second thing about religion and Jesus is religion is about what you can't do. Jesus is about what you can do. Jesus says, come as you are and watch what I can do in your life. When you come as you are, what you do is you open yourself up And you never stay as you are when you give your life over to Jesus. I want to keep saying this, right? Our job is not to point out people's faults or sins. Our job is to point people to Jesus. Jesus does the transformation. John can't transform you. Church can't transform you. Chantel can't transform you. Steve certainly can't transform you. Okay, but Jesus, Jesus can transform a person's life. Whenever people got close to Jesus, transformation happened. Religion pushes people out. Religion says you've got to do, do, do. Jesus says, come to me. Religion is all about the rules, but Jesus said, no, I'm all about the heart. Third thing about religion is religion puts up barriers. Jesus pulls down barriers. If you were at this festival in Jerusalem and you wanted to go to the temple, and if you weren't a practicing Jew, you couldn't get close to the temple, to the church. You would be confound to what was known as the outer court, or the Gentiles court, court of the Gentiles. A Jewish woman could go to a certain space, a Jewish man could go a little bit closer, a priest could go to the edge, but they would put up barriers to keep you from getting close to the temple. And I've discovered this, religion is really good at keeping people out. Religion is really good at keeping people out because they hit barriers. Maybe you've hit a barrier. Maybe it's taken you weeks, months, years to come to church because you've hit a barrier. The barrier could be, I'm not good enough. The barrier could be shame. The barrier could be guilt. The barrier is, I'm not worthy enough to come into a church. And Jesus says, I want to break down barriers. I want to break down barriers. And in Matthew 11, 28, he says, come to me. All those who are weary and burdened, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I am gentle and humble in heart, and you will find rest. Religion, religion puts up barriers, Jesus pulls them down. The fourth thing that religion says is, religion says, work your way to God. Jesus says, I am the way to God. Most world religions tell you what to do. You've got to work your way to God. You've got to pray a certain way. You've got to go to certain places. You might knock on so many doors, things you should or should not eat. It's called the religion of human achievement. But Jesus is not the religion of human achievement. Jesus is the way. The gospel is Jesus. And Jesus says, instead of you trying to get to me by being good enough, 
or working hard or giving more. Jesus said, you know what I'm going to do? I'm going to step out of the comfort of heaven and come down. And I'm going to meet you, Patricia. I'm going to meet you, Matt. I'm going to meet you, Stuart, exactly where you're at. In your mess, in your disappointment, in your hurt and in your shame. So God sent Jesus to this earth, not for us to try and get to him because we are not good enough. He said, no, I'm going to come down to you and I'm going to meet you exactly where you're at. That's the gospel. John 6, 38 says, For I have come down from heaven, not to do my will, but to do the will of the the Father who sent me. King Jesus' appeal is stronger than religion. The second lesson we can learn from this parable, from this story, sorry, is King Jesus hears our hearts cry. King Jesus hears our hearts cry. They took palm branches and went out to meet him, shouting, Hosanna! As Jesus made his grand entrance into Jerusalem, the crowd, they started shouting Hosanna. He started waving palm branches. For years, I, I just assumed the word Hosanna means to give worship, to give one worship. But the Hebrew word Hosanna means something completely different. Hosanna means please Lord save us and na means now. Na, now. So Hosanna means please Lord save us now. So when we sing or speak or declare the word Hosanna, we are saying, please, Lord, come and save us now. The palm branch, I've got one here, is a symbol of victory. So when they were waving the palm branches, what they were saying is they were under Roman occupation. They were under Roman rule. They were saying, please, Lord, please, Jesus, come and save us now. I don't think there's ever been a time in my life where we need to cry out to God, please Lord, come save us now. Whether it's economically, whether it's what's happening in the Ukraine, whether it's what's happening around the world, just as the Jewish people shouted, please Lord, come save us now, we need the Lord to come save us now. Is there anyone who says, please Lord, come save us now, Hosanna, Hosanna. This is a cry we see throughout scripture. In fact, David, David prayed this 490 years earlier. He said in Psalm 118, and he says it four times in one chapter. He says, save us now, I pray, O Lord. Save us now, I pray. Send now prosperity. David includes the economy in that one. I like that. It's like he was reading our mail for 2023. Do you know Hosanna? is something that you and I can cry out. Whether you are on the street, whether you are in a business meeting, whether you are going into an exam, you can say the word Hosanna, which invites the Holy Spirit to come and help you. Four times in 107 we read, it says, and then David cried out to the Lord in his trouble and he delivered them from their distress. One of my favorite memories as a young boy was um, going with my mum's hair, going with my dad and my mum to, a, uh, to, a, to, to Suffolk, occasionally across the border, and we'd go to Stowmarket. And um, when we were at Stowmarket, our great, my great uncle Ted was a war veteran on the, on the Burma Railway. And he was a prisoner of war. Uh, and uh, it was a, uh, many of you might have seen The Bridge Over the River Kwai, seen that movie. It, it's a brilliant film, it explains, but my... my, my my uh, great uncle was on that. 90,000 soldiers and civilians died 
building a six-mile bridge. And it was a tragedy, a human tragedy. And um, he managed to escape. He managed to escape and in, into the jungle, into Burma. And when he was escaping, um, he, he was next to... He, he, he was next to, he had nothing left. He, he felt like dying. There was no food. There was no drink. And he, he tells me this story. He, he said, he said, I cried out to God. He says, the next day, a bird laid an egg beside me. And he said, I ate the egg and it gave me enough energy to get through the next day to get me to safety. You know, God hears our prayers. When you say Hosanna, you could be in a situation in your business, in your family, in your marriage, and you're saying, God, I have nothing left. I want to encourage you. You can say that word wherever you are. Hosanna. Please, Lord, come and save us now. You know, when you're praying, you are praying in your miracle. You are praying in your miracle. Pray in is in praying. You are literally, as you pray, God hears and you are praying in your miracle. So right now, I don't know what you're facing, but I feel someone in this room needs to hear the word Hosanna. The Lord who saves. The Lord is coming to save you. Where are you? You're saying, God, I've got a situation right now and I'm desperate. I'm desperate. Just like my great uncle was desperate. He was desperate. He need, And God said, I hear your heart's cry. God responds to the cry of the desperate. And if you're desperate enough and you're saying, God, right now, I need you. Where are you right now? I want to pray for you. You're saying, God, I need you. I need you. God, I'm desperate. I'm desperate. I can't do this anymore. I'm struggling. My marriage has fallen to pieces. I don't have money to pay my bills. And so right now, we are going to cry out to God for the next 30 seconds. Well, I want you to stand up. I know this is a bit out. out. You've all got settled down. But I want to pray right now for you, for every person who's saying, I'm desperate. Hosanna. We cry out to you right now. We cry out to you right now, Father God. For those, Father God, in the Ukraine, Father. For those in in Kiev, Father. For those, Father God, who are struggling, Father. We cry out to you right now. We cry out to you, Father God. Save us now, Lord. Please save us now. Hosanna. Hosanna, Father God. We pray for children trapped in poverty in our city. We pray for single parents who can't afford to pay their bills. We pray that you would come and you would meet them where they're at. We pray for those who are sick right now in our church, in our families. We pray for those who are struggling with mental health. We declare Hosanna right now in Jesus' name. We cry out to you, God. Have mercy on us. We need your help. Amen. Amen. You can take your seats. We can cry out to God all the time. You know what? You don't have to just be in church to cry out to God. You can be anywhere. Someone sent me this, this clip of a community in Brazil. And, you know, they're doing it tough right now. They've, the nation of Brazil, politically and financially, economically, a lot of people are desperate. There's a group of Brazilians in a, in a supermarket, and they decided in that moment to cry out to God. And it set like a ripple throughout the supermarket. And I thought, man, imagine if we got so desperate. Imagine if we decided we didn't just have to limit our worship to four Mason Row. We could be in Tesco's or Asda. And we actually got desperate before the God. And the God of heaven saw the hand. Wonder how God felt when he saw his children saying, you know what, I'm going to worship you. 
got next to nothing left. Not sure if I can afford groceries for my family, but because he lives, I can face tomorrow. Because he lives, all fear is gone because I know he holds my future. And life is worth the living because he lives. He lives. So tonight, Chantal and I, we felt passionately we're going to have an encounter tonight. We're going to seek God and we're going to pray for people. I feel passionately about children, young people and young adults at the moment. There is so much confusion in our world. The media are confusing our children and young people like we've never seen in history. We're going to pray right now. We are going to call on God. We are going to call Hosanna. Please, God, come and save us. Please, God, we need you. So I want to encourage, we want our whole church to come out tonight and we're going to pray and we're going to seek God's face for our children and our young people. We're going to believe for God's protection. We're going to have an encounter with Jesus tonight. Amen. King Jesus' appeal is stronger than religion. King Jesus, he hears our hearts cry. The third The third thing we see is is that Jesus commands us not to be afraid. He commands the crowd. They come out from the festival and they meet with Jesus. The first thing Jesus says to them is, do not be afraid. Daughter of Zion, see your king is coming. And in this moment, the gospel becomes personal to these people. Do not be afraid or do not fear is the most frequently repeated phrase in the whole of the scriptures. And I want to encourage you right now, do not be afraid. Someone needs to hear this right now because the enemy is messing with your thoughts. It's planting seeds of doubt and fear in your mind. And I had a, I want to be open with you, I had a a personal challenge this week and we were flying back from the States and Chantel was asleep, we were flying through the night and literally I started feeling anxious. I haven't felt anxious for a long, long time. And the enemy started planting seeds of doubt in my mind. You see, I'm a pastor and it happens to me. Doubts of unbelief. How are you going to pay the bills in the new building? How are you going to afford new staff? How how, how are you going to pay off the debt? How are you going to do this? How are you going to do that? And for half an hour, I was literally gripped in fear. Have you ever been gripped in fear? I'm not just talking about you have a bad thought and you replace it with a good one. I know how to do that. I preach that stuff all day long. I'm talking about how actually when you get gripped. Chantel was asleep. I sat there. I literally didn't know what to do. I couldn't speak to the air hostess. You'd have thought I was crazy. And this is what I did. I asked the Holy Spirit to come and minister to me. And there's going to be times in your life when you feel afraid. When you don't have a pastor or a phone close by, all you have is the comforter, the Holy Spirit. John 14, 16 says, And I will pray the Father that he shall give you another comforter that he might abide with you forever. I want to encourage you, when the enemy runs wild in your mind, you have to invite the Holy Spirit, which is the comforter. The Holy Spirit, you might be laying alone in a bed, you might be in a situation, you might be in a business room, but you've got to ask the Holy Spirit, Holy Spirit, right right now I need you to come and comfort me. And I'm not, I'm not 100% sure with what I'm about to say is, is biblically correct. But I've checked it with Steve. He thinks I could be on the right lines. <laughs> I wonder when Jesus said these words to the crowd, do not be afraid. I just wonder whether he was speaking to himself 
as much as he was speaking to the crowd. Because Jesus knew what was about to happen in five days' time. He would suffer a cruel death. In fact, the worst death known to mankind, which is crucifixion. And he would have felt the fear and the emotion. Jesus felt what you and I feel. He felt pain. He felt agony. And when Jesus says to the crowd as he enters the city, do not be afraid, I think his mind must have been going in two directions. He says, do not be afraid. The Bible says that faith comes by hearing and hearing from the word of God. And sometimes you've got to speak to yourself. And I invite the Holy Spirit on that plane. By the time I'd landed, I felt courage again in my soul. I felt I'd got enough to keep going. I felt I'd got enough of I opened my Bible. It was five o'clock in the morning. I started reading and confessing the promises, the Word of God. I started confessing Psalm 27, 13. I would have lost heart unless I had believed that I will see the goodness of the Lord in the land of the living. And sometimes when fear takes over you, you've got to invite the Holy Spirit to come over you. You've got to start confessing God's Word. I speak courage right now over everyone who's feeling uncertainty in this room. Even though you walk through the valley of the shadow of death, you will fear no evil. God is with you. Have I not commanded you? Be strong and courageous. Do not be afraid. Single mum, do not be afraid. Someone who's just been diagnosed with a disease, do not be afraid. Do not be discouraged. For the Lord your God, David, the Lord your God will be with you wherever you go. Wherever you go. Wherever you go. The Lord is my light and my salvation. Whom shall I fear? The Lord is the stronghold of my life. Of whom shall I be afraid? And when you start speaking faith, you start speaking courage to your spirit. King Jesus commands us not to be afraid. Number four, a couple more. King Jesus shows up in unexpected ways. Do not be afraid, daughter of Zion. See, your king is coming, seated on a donkey's colt. Let me paraphrase this for us. See, your king is coming, not as you expected. This was a quote from 500 years earlier from the prophet Zechariah. It says, behold, your king is coming. He's just he is just and having salvation, lowly and riding on a donkey, a colt, the fowl of a donkey. Your king is coming, but not as expected. You see, if a king arrived into his kingdom, into a city, a king would ride on a king's horse. Let me show you the sides of a king's horse. That's a king's horse. The king wanted to be above every other horse, every other person in the kingdom. So he would, he, would, he would find the tallest horse in the land and he would ride and the crowds would cheer. That's a king's horse. Then there was war horses. A war horse would be just a few, a few feet smaller than a king's horse. And a war horse would be led, uh, ridden on by a general as he rode out to do battle. And then there was everyday horses. Everyday horse is just your average size horse. 
Think about Jesus. He didn't arrive on a king's horse. He didn't arrive on a war horse. He didn't arrive on an everyday horse. He came in on a donkey. But we can miss something here because it wasn't actually just a donkey. It was a donkey's colt. A donkey's colt is normally around four years old. The story in all four Gospels, the story is told, but there's something we might miss unless we read Matthew's version of events. It says, go into the village in front of you and immediately you'll find a donkey tied in a colt with her. Untie them and bring them to me. If anyone says anything to you, you shall say, the Lord needs them. In other words, the donkey was there and the colt was there. Well, why did, why did the, the mother need to be there too? Well, I think, I think Jesus knew that there would be big crowds and small colts would get scared in big crowds. So they tied the small colt to the donkey so that the small colt wouldn't be scared. And I don't think I've ever seen a picture, an Easter picture of Jesus riding into Jerusalem actually the way it should be. Because Jesus, he didn't ride in on a king's horse. He didn't even ride in on a war horse. He didn't ride in on an everyday horse. He didn't even ride in on a donkey. He rode in on the lowest of lowest. He rode in on a colt. And excuse my poetic license, but I think he rode in on the lowest of the low and his feet were touching the ground because he wanted to show people that he was in touch with everyday people like you and me. It was, the, it was humility personified. Jesus is in touch with us. Jesus is in touch with those people in that supermarket in Brazil who are crying out to God for their daily bread. And if Jesus was trying to tell the crowd something as he rode in on that colt, it was this, I'm not coming as you expect. The good news today is this, your miracle will come. The bad news is it's not coming the way you think. More often than not, if you try and create a miracle scenario in your head, God will dismiss it. Why? Because you came up with it. God always uses unexpected, unusual places, faces, and circumstances to meet our needs. I am believing this week, Holy Week, Passion Week, that God is going to show up in your life, in your family in unexpected ways. Jesus arrived in an unexpected fashion. I believe, I want to encourage you to stop trying to work out how it's all going to work out. God's used people for our new church building I could have never dreamt of, but it's nothing like I thought. We've got to expect the unexpected in April. You get what you expect in life. I found we, I get what I expect. I'm expecting this year for God to move miraculously in our new church. Why? Because 1 Corinthians 1, 27 says, God uses the foolish things of this world to confound the wise. Is anyone saying, God, I, I expect the unexpected? God, I need you. If you can use a cult, you can use anything in my life. As we head into Good Friday, our final lesson is this. 
And this is, a, this is a tough one, but it really sets us up for Good Friday. Is that King Jesus suffers, yet remains in his Father's will. On Palm Sunday, they, they waved palms at Jesus. They waved palms, Hosanna, Hosanna. Blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. Yet five short days later, palms turned into thorns. Can you, can you even fathom that? The very crowd which chanted Hosanna was now chanting, crucify him, crucify him. Jesus had fed, he'd loved, he'd saved the multitudes, yet five days later they had a short memory. And they said, free Barabbas, who was a known criminal. Crucify Jesus. Crucify Jesus. Two very, very different encounters in just five days. And what happens is that palms turn in to thorns. You know what? Sometimes life's like that, isn't it? You ever had a palm tree day? Sun shining, kids are behaving, got the promotion at work. Everything's going well, and then the phone rings, and it's a thorn. Life is like that, isn't it? We go from palm trees to thorn bushes. I know many of you, you're going through a thorny experience in life right now. We put all our hopes and our dreams in things going a certain way, and then they go a completely different direction. We want to get accepted in that university, and we get rejected. And the very university we wanted to be in didn't want to be in accepts us. We put all our hopes and dreams and it falls apart and palms turn in to thorn bushes. For the Jews, Jesus was going to deliver them in that moment from the Roman Empire. They were waving their palm branches of victory. They were not just waving them at Jesus, they were waving them in the Roman faces. They were like, look, you're going to be out of here soon. We're going to be free. We're going to have our country back. You're going to... Jesus is going to release us from hundreds of years of slavery. But God's plan was very different. And I think this is a really difficult lesson to learn from this story. But the final lesson of Palm Sunday is we can still be in the will of God and experience suffering. We can still be in the will of God and experience disappointment. We can still be in the will of God and things go wrong in our lives. Jesus suffered, yet he was still in his Father's will. We are so tempted, I know I am, we're so tempted to believe that when we suffer, God leaves us. But here's what I've realized, that God's favor is still with me, even when I'm suffering. God's favor will not leave me. And Jesus was suffering. Jesus was suffering in Luke 22, 44. And we're going to drill down more of this on Friday. It says, but an angel came from heaven to strengthen him during his agony as he prayed. This is crazy, but Jesus was still in his father's perfect will, even when he was suffering. God won't always deliver you, but he will always strengthen you. See, I don't know about you, but I want to pray, God, deliver me. 
Hosanna, Lord, save us now, 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 right now. And God says, no, I, I could do that, but I want to show you something even greater. It's called strength. Because my strength is made perfect even in your time of weakness. And Jesus doesn't always take away our struggles. He enters our struggles. And Easter, the lesson here is King Jesus suffers, yet he remains in the Father's will. King Jesus can go in less than a week from a hero to death. Should we be surprised if sometimes our lives turn from good to bad suddenly? And my prayer is this today. God, please deliver me. But God, if it is not your will right now to deliver me in this situation, will you strengthen me? And maybe just our prayer needs to be right now, God, strengthen me as I battle cancer. God, strengthen me as I'm going through this divorce. God, strengthen me as my children are away from you. Yes, God will deliver you, and we know, but maybe just in this season, God is going to give you strength to get through this week. Because he lives, I can face tomorrow. Because he lives, all fear is gone. Because he lives, I know he holds the future. And even in disappointment, and even in suffering, we remain in the Father's will. Encourage us today, church, do not lose heart. Do not lose heart. King Jesus' appeal is stronger than religion. King Jesus, he hears our hearts cry. King Jesus, he commands us not to be afraid today. And King Jesus is gonna show up in unexpected ways in your life and in your family. And King Jesus suffers, yet he remains in his Father's will. Would you stand? Come, Lord Jesus. Thank you, Father. We worship you. If you feel comfortable, why don't you just lift your hands right now? We're just going to worship him. Thank you, God. Thank you, Jesus. Come on, if you're struggling, if you're going through battles, you're feeling fear, maybe fear's gripped you this week. You're saying today, today I'm going to speak courage into my soul. God has not forgotten about me. And God, right now, even if you don't deliver me, you will strengthen me. You will strengthen me for this battle. You will strengthen me in this season I'm going through. We declare, we, we sing out, we shout, Hosanna. Please, Lord, come and save us now. Thank you, Jesus. Hallelujah. I want to pray for a couple of groups of people. The first group is you've never made a decision to follow Jesus. Maybe you've been put off by religion. Maybe you've been put off by Christians. I'm sorry. Maybe you've been put off by so many things. But today you sent something different because what I talked about today wasn't religion. It was Jesus. And it's Jesus that can change a person's life. We can't change people. Jesus can When Jesus comes into your heart, He transforms us not from the outside in, but from the inside out. Transforms our heart and He gets to some of the, maybe some of the root stuff, maybe some of the shame, the guilt, the unforgiveness, maybe 
You're struggling to forgive yourself for something you did or maybe you didn't do. And, but today, you're saying, I want to give Jesus an opportunity to transform my life. I want to invite him to come inside me. And it starts with a decision. And I, Maybe you've got loads of challenges in your life and it's like a ripple effect. But can I encourage you? It starts with the heart. When the heart starts beating, it changes everything in the body. Today, you've got an opportunity to place Jesus in the center of your life. You say, well, John, I'm not good enough. I've made mistakes. You're in great company. My word, this room is packed full of people who've made mistakes. We've all messed this up. The Bible says, for all have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. We're not here to focus on what you've done wrong, but what Jesus has done right on your behalf. Today, you can be forgiven. You can have a brand new start. And it's not by works. You can't achieve this. You can't work for it, pay for it. This is simply a free gift. It's a free gift. And you, all, all, all that Jesus is saying is, will you receive it? Will you receive me as your personal Savior? And I'll give you hope for today. I'll give you assurance for tomorrow that when you pass from this earth, as we've been singing about earlier, you will spend eternity in heaven with me and the loved ones that have gone before. That is salvation. That is the gift of salvation. And here's the good news. It's freely available for every person from the youngest to the oldest today. You can receive this gift called Jesus. I'm going to count to three. I'd love everyone just to close their eyes. This is a private moment. Maybe you're watching online. This, this, is, this moment's for you as well. Maybe you're sitting in your kitchen, sitting in your car, watching in the living room. But you say today, I want to make my peace with God. I want to receive Jesus as my Savior. For everyone in the room, everyone watching online, when I get to three, all I want you to do, if you're in the room, is simply just slip up your hand and say, John, that's me today. You were talking to me. I want to receive Jesus. I want to receive the peace that he brings. All over this room, from the front to the back. One, he loves you, my friend. Two, would you have the courage to respond to him? Three, just slip up your hand. Long enough and high enough so I can do it. See it. Pray for me. God bless you. God bless you. God bless you. God bless you. Amazing. God bless you. Anyone else? Say that to me today. Pray for me. God bless you. Amazing. You're watching online. We're going to say this prayer together. The prayer is going to come up on the screen in front of you. Why don't we say this out loud together? Dear Lord Jesus, thank you for dying for me to forgive all my sin and my failures so that I can have a brand new start. Please come into my life and help me by the power of the Holy Spirit to trust and to live for you. Amen. Come on, let's congratulate everyone who said that prayer. If you're watching online, please let us know. So I have decided, just write that, I have decided. One of our team will make sure that we come back to you on that. And you can download the Bible digitally uh, on your smartphone. For everyone in the room, we've got a physical copy of the Bible. And here's the good news, it's in everyday language. Okay, sometimes the Bible can feel a little bit religious because we can't always understand. But this is in a modern day translation, so it'll help you understand. Our team will be out in the foyers afterwards. And please, they'll just hold these up. And if you don't have a Bible, please take a Bible. And even if you didn't lift up your hand, but something was kind of beating in your heart, you're saying, no, it was me. I said that prayer. Hey, we want to give you a Bible. And uh, we want to help you. We want to help you continue to move forward. And one of the best things you can do is come back to church next Sunday. 
Good Friday or next Sunday. We want to help you. This isn't, this isn't the end. It's the start of a glorious adventure of serving Jesus. And as, you, as you keep coming, your faith will grow. And we're going to believe for transformation in your life. Amen. Come on, one more time. Would you congratulate everyone who said that prayer? King Jesus, come save us now. If you've been struggling with fear, if you've been struggling with anxiety, maybe that's been a real thing for you and it's gripped you like it gripped me on that plane. You're saying, John, John, I need help in that area. I, I want to speak courage right now into your situation. Just slip up your hand and you say, that's me right now. I'm struggling. I'm battling with fear. I'm battling with uncertainty. I don't know what tomorrow will bring. Maybe like those, those poor people in that supermarket, they were just crying out to God because they didn't know what the future was going to bring. Today, we're going to cry out, Hosanna. want to pray for people as well. You're saying, Pastor John, I, I'm kind of been expecting God to show up in ways that He hasn't, but today I trust you that you will show up in unexpected ways in my life, that there will be unexpected miracles, that things will come, bolt out of the blue, that things are going to be written off, debts will be written off. We're going to believe God for blessing in people's life. Good God, I've just been expecting the norm, but today I want, I want to expect something different. I want to expect the unexpected in my life. I want the phone to ring. I want to experience good news this week. I want to experience good success. If you're saying, Pastor John, that's me today. I'm expecting the unexpected in my life, in my children's life, in my business, in my home, with my family. I'm expecting the unexpected in Jesus' name. And then you're saying, God, if you deliver me, that's incredible. But God, I need you to strengthen me. So God, is there anyone out there? My hand's up on this one. God, strengthen me for the battle. Strengthen me for what lies ahead. Just as Jesus was in the Garden of Gethsemane, he prayed to the Father for strength. And God sent an angel and says he strengthened him. Father God, right now we lift up we lift up our church to you and we cry out to you, Hosanna. Come and save us now. I pray for everyone who's battling with worry and fear, anxiety, trauma, Lord, whatever their, their need is today, Father. Just like the crowd, you said, do not be afraid. Do not be afraid. And Father, right now, we, we speak over our church. We will not be afraid. For God has not given us a spirit of fear, but of power and of love and of a sound mind. And I speak courage into every discouraged soul right now. I pray that you would give us, Father, this week, you would give us unexpected, unusual, Father, miracles, Father. We pray for our new church building, Father. We cry, Hosanna. We pray for unexpected breakthroughs in our building, Father. And Lord, we pray, Father, that you will deliver us. But until you do, we pray that you will strengthen us in Jesus' name. Come on, why don't we lift our hands one more time? Thanks again for tuning in. And if you said the salvation prayer today, we'd love for you to email connecttofaith at soulchurch.com so we can talk to you a little bit more about this incredible decision that you've just made. Yeah, you know, and if at any point in the service you felt moved to give towards any of our local or global initiatives, then head to soulchurch.com and click on the giving at the top of the page. Thanks again for joining us today. And we hope to see you again soon. God bless.